party. It's going to be awesome. We are giving away some of the coolest prizes I've ever given away. And, and I've given away some cool prizes. In fact, I had David Perkins about three years ago come and teach him a, a service, do a gospel presentation. He flew all the way from here to Detroit to do a gospel presentation after we did this big minute to win it deal, outreach type thing. And we gave away like $600, you know, in prizes to people. So we're giving away a lot of cool stuff next week. So I want you to all invite three people. How many? Three. three. How many of you know three people? How many of you have three people that like you? Invite those three. Invite the three that like you. They will come with you. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have worship. We're going to have prayer. And then we're just going to go straight in to all of our competitions and games and different things like that. And competitions are going to include everybody. Everybody's going to have to participate. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be a great time. The week after that's the candlelight service. So we are just got a great month. Next uh, January, this coming January, we start Heartworth. Guys, I'm excited about this month. We have some great things planned that we're going to do together as a youth ministry to really support Heartwork and, and just some cool challenges that we're going to do. It's going to be a blast. All right, so there's a couple things coming up. Last thing I want to say, man, I'm really proud of you guys. I know that we've gotten a little stricter in the last few months. I know I've called kids out every once in a while. I know we've done that, and I know we've gotten, we've shrunk a little bit, okay? I understand that, but you know what? I'm very, very proud of you. I'm proud of you for loving Jesus. I'm proud of you for being here. I'm proud of you for taking ownership in DSM and making this your youth ministry, and I promise you, this is the foundation where we will begin to explode. From here, we will begin to explode. We will begin to grow left and right. And I want you guys, every week, I want you guys to feel the freedom to invite as many people as you want. In fact, this next, this next year, I may even give away prizes for, to the people who invite the most people and have the most people come with them. Be like, how many of you brought 10 people tonight? You know, we got people raising their hands, and I'm going to have to give away some cool stuff, you know, for that. I mean, that's a big deal. You, you bring 10 people to DSM, that's rock starish right there. I mean, you're like platform. I mean, you just, you're awesome. I might even kiss your feet or something. I don't know. But, I mean, that, that would be great. Or maybe I'll kiss a pig. Maybe we'll bring a live pig in here and I'll kiss a pig. Better yet, we'll David Perkins kiss the pig. And it'll be awesome. And it'll be great. You know, so I want you guys to know we are proud of you. We are proud of you for, the, for, for, for being here, for taking ownership. And I'm just encouraging you. Invite as many people as you would like, as many people. Guys, remember, we're, we're, we're almost always going to present the gospel. There will always be a chance for them to hear the story of Jesus. I mean, if anything else, you invite those people that you don't know, those people that, that you know are far from God, you invite them because you know they're going to hear the story of Jesus. And it's probably a story they've never heard before. And you never know who's going to find Christ. I mean, we had five or six up here tonight found Christ. That's awesome. Praise God. That's what it's, the gospel's all about. So I'm excited about this. Love you guys. Let's dig in. Are you guys ready to dig in? Yeah. Awesome. How many of you have grandmothers? Should be most of you. Most of you have grandmas. My grandma, you know, you know, I love chocolate chip cookies, right? And I love cookie dough. A lot of you know that. A lot of you bring me cookie dough. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Except I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, keep my manly figure or get one. 
whichever I need. And, uh, but you don't have to bring me cookie dough for a while. And so I give that up. <laughs> and I start eating cookie dough again. Anyway, when I, when I was little, I remember, man, when I was little, I'm talking seven, eight, nine, five, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. I don't know. It's a long time ago. And I would, I would be at my grandmother's house, and this is what we did. With my grandpa, he would take me fishing. I'd go fishing with my grandpa. With my grandma, I would bake stuff. We would bake cookies. We would bake all kinds of cookies. I'm talking about oatmeal cookies, peanut butter cookies, chocolate chip cookies. And at Christmas time, we would bake gingerbread. We would bake Christmas cookies. We're talking about cookies, not bread. All right. We would bake Christmas cookies. And it was exciting, man. We'd, make, we'd be making the dough. We'd be pouring. One of my favorite parts was just mixing it all together. Get all the ingredients, pour it in there. You know, she had one of those mixers that, you know, fold it up and then you fold it down. I mean, one of those nice ones. You know, I have this little thing at home. And it takes me 15 minutes to mix the dough up. Yeah, she's got one of those big ones. Start it up. I love turning that thing on. Flour would just go everywhere. I mean, it was blast. My grandma loved it, too. I mean, we would just make I remember making these cookies. I remember when she'd get out this big recipe book. You know, grandmother's big recipe books, right? I mean, they're like this thick, but the binding's only this thick. I mean, they're kind of like sitting like this. And, you know, and there's all kinds of stuff in there. My favorite recipes that we would make cookies with were the, were the, were the recipes that were handwritten, not in the book. Not printed, they were handwritten on those little three-by-five note cards, and they were shoved in all the middle of the pages. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever cooked with your grandma? Oh, come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's good. So we would make these Christmas cookies, and we'd cut them into shapes. We'd put sprinkles and frosting on it. I mean, it was a blast. I loved it. I mean, I loved eating the dough, too. I did do some, some of that. I loved adding all. I, I loved it all. I loved it all. Wouldn't it be nice? Think about this. Wouldn't it be nice if... We had a cookbook for life. A cookbook for life. We do. I like that. We do. We just need to read it. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had a cookbook for life, though, formatted? That's talking about it's formatted, where, where you could just follow a specific recipe for whatever situation that you find yourself in. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever complications, whatever situations, whatever, you know bad deals that you're trying to walk through. Wouldn't it be nice to just have a, have a cookbook you can open up and just say, you know, a recipe for when you're just discouraged and down in the dumps. A recipe for when you just, you know, broke up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and how do we handle this? We need a recipe. You can just come to David or I. We'll tell you how to handle it. But, you know, just get over it. Walk away. It's, it's fine. You're going to be okay. It's all right. You know, whatever the case is, I mean, Maybe, maybe a recipe to restore a, a wrecked relationship somehow, some type of friendship or relationship with a family member or a loved one or even just somebody at school that would just, man, something happened. And, and, and a recipe to fix that. Wouldn't it be nice just to open a book, do this, 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 and this, and it'll be fixed. It'll be good. It'll be well. Maybe a, a, a recipe to fix those regrets that we've been holding on to for a long time. Recipe to fix those. Maybe a recipe that would heal cancer. Wouldn't it be nice to open a book and have a recipe that would heal cancer? I mean, somebody said, do this, this, and this, and pray that, and boom, healed. That'd be awesome. That'd be good. You know, I, sometimes I just wish there was a simple recipe for life. Simple recipe for life. Man, how do I live life? 
with no regrets? How do I live life with joy, loving Jesus? I think Paul, if you think about Paul, I, I feel like he found the secret to living with peace and freedom in his life. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul introduces himself as a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, a slave, that's, that's strong language, and Paul, Paul uses, uses this type of language. I mean, it's a strong term. And, and if, if you're a slave to addiction, then whatever you're addicted to has full control over you, right? If you're a slave to that addiction. I mean, it dictates your decisions and your life, whatever you're addicted to. If you're a slave to your job, your job runs your life. If you have a master, then your master has full authority over you. He tells you to go, and you go to do, and you do. Those of you who are slaves to sin and to Satan, he's your master. It means he's got every right to influence your life and dictate what happens. Because by your choice to sin, you chose slavery to him. You chose to make him your master. Instead of choosing righteousness and making God your master. Making Christ your master. So Paul's using this strong language. Man, I, he introduces himself as a slave of Christ Jesus. But Paul is saying, no, no, it, 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 you know, I'm not a slave to say, I'm not a slave. Man, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. And in this case, slavery really means freedom when he says this. Romans 1, verse 8 and 9, gives us some insight into Paul's life of slavery. It says this, he says, God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs to God, whom I serve with all of my heart by spreading the good news about his son. That verse just gives us some insight. I mean, you're pretty much a slave to whatever you focus on most. Whatever you focus on most. If you're spending day and night focused specifically on one thing, then you are a slave to that thing. In this case, Paul truly was a slave of Jesus Christ, spending day and night in constant communion, constant conversation with his Lord and Savior. I mean, this guy who had every right, Paul had every right to be depressed. He had every right to be angry. He had every right to be suicidal and mad at God. He had every right to give up and throw in the towel and walk away. I mean, listen to the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let, let me just read you this, this passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman. This is Paul speaking. He's writing this letter to the Corinthian church. But I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. All of this sacrifice, all of this suffering, because God called him and he was faithful to that call and it came with some hardship. How many of you have ever been shipwrecked? 
How many of you have ever had 39 lashes? Been beaten with rods? Didn't have enough food to eat? Went hungry? Close to starvation? Deserted out in the sea? Adrift alone on a piece of wood with sharks circling around you? I mean, how many of us have suffered like that? And still loved Jesus, still found joy, and still kept pressing and pushing and being faithful to the call. This is Paul. Paul didn't follow any recipe written by men. He simply became a slave to Jesus Christ, and he gave his life away. I believe if Jesus were to give you a recipe for life tonight, it would have one line on the card. If he gave you one of those handwritten three-by-five cards stuck in the middle of that big old grandma recipe book, it would have these words on it. It would have one phrase, one line, give your life away. Give your life away. I mean, you want to live a life with no regrets, a life of freedom and joy? Then you have to become a slave to Jesus Christ. Look at Paul's life. Nothing stopped this guy. Nothing could deter him. He sat in chains in a dungeon and wrote letters to churches to encourage them. While he sat in filthy, damp, rat-infested pits, he wrote letters like Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians. Paul found a recipe for life. See, when your life is all about God, defined by God, ran by God, nothing the world or the enemy throws at you can take you away from the reality of that freedom and joy you have found in Christ. He can't steal that from you. He can't steal that salvation. He can't steal the blood that covers you. He can't just walk up and steal that. Oh man, that's yours. God's given that to you. He's promised you that. So let's talk about this. What does the phrase, to give your life away, really mean? What does that mean? To give your life away. I kind of broke it down into three areas. Here's the first area. Giving your life away means being available to God's calling. Giving your life away means being available to God's calling. We are all called. And the adventure of following God's call begins with faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness is about treating even the small tasks that are placed before us as important and worth, and worth our best effort. It's faithfulness. Everyone who has chosen to follow Christ has also been called by God. All citizens of God's kingdom have a calling. So everyone in this room tonight, everyone sitting in a chair, sitting on the floor, every one of you looking at me, guess what? You have been called by God. You have a calling from God. Now you may be waiting for a call from God. You might be desperately asking him, man, what do you want me to do with my life? God, I can't hear you. You're not telling me. I want to know. I want to plan. I want to prepare. I want to get ready. I can't wait for this adventure with you. God, what have you called me to do? Listen, you were created to reflect his image and fulfill his purpose. You are a living product of God's intentionality. You are not a mistake or an accident. You were made on purpose 
for a purpose. Too many of us are looking for our purpose and calling in the future. And we view it as this lifelong pursuit. I mean, if you say to yourself, and this was my major before uh, God got a hold of my heart and God called me in the ministry. Let's say, man, I want to go into marine biology. You're thinking, oh, man, if I can just get on that boat. If I can get out in the ocean, if I can get out there and start working, man, I'm going to feel like I'm fulfilling my calling to be a marine biologist, to be out there. You know, maybe you're called to be a missionary, and you're sitting around, and you're thinking, oh, man, if I could just get on that mission field, I could, get on, I could start this adventure with God. I'm so excited to start this adventure. If I could just get on the mission field, if I could just get out there, if God, if you would just open the doors, man, I would go, and I'd start advancing your kingdom. See, I feel like we've missed the point. God's made you on purpose for a purpose. And I've heard people called to mission. I've heard people say that. I've heard people who've been called to the mission field say, well, we're just kind of waiting in limbo. We don't know exactly what we're doing, what country we're going to, what people group we're going to minister to. We're just kind of waiting around, waiting in limbo. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why are you waiting around? Do you not see the mission field around you right here? Start doing the little things. Start using your time wisely. Start viewing every day as a mission field. God will open those doors, doors for you. Because when you're faithful with, with a little, he will give you a lot. We'll talk about that a little later. But my goodness, why are you waiting around? Tell me, those of you that go to public school, you don't walk into your school and see a mission field. And what scriptures say, fields are white in the harvest, means they're ready. There are people ready to be plucked from the fire. But we don't think like that, do we? We don't have that kind of mentality. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that all of us are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Those good works don't start when you grow up, when you get a family, when you get a house, two kids, and a dog. That's not when it starts. Those good works don't start when you finally realize your lifelong pursuit or you get into the career you've been dreaming about. God's calling should not be looked at as a specific career. You are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth right now, today, and every day. That's what you've been called to do. That is your calling. Wherever God takes you on the adventure, awesome, great, adventure with God. But every day your calling is to be his hands and feet on this planet. To usher in the kingdom of heaven. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 28. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. See, if we see people in need, we have the, and we have the ability and the means to help them, why wouldn't we be with the reflection of Christ? Why wouldn't we be the hands and feet of Christ and help them? You know, last month, my neighbor across the street, I could see him over there sawing, and, and he had his saw out, and he was building something, making something, and I, and I, and I was getting ready. I had a meeting uh, with David and some of the other staff, and I had to get to church, and I saw, and I saw him, him, him 
squirm and kind of scream for a minute and something fly off and I ran over there. I'm like, what is going on? You know, there's blood all over. He's holding his hand. He's like, oh, I just cut my finger off. I just cut my, can you help me? And I said, oh, I'm going to be late for a meeting. I can't help you right now, but I think I saw your finger fly off under the workbench. Go pick that up. I got to get to my meeting. Man, if you're still laying here when I get back, I'll, I'll try to help you do something. You know, the week later, my other neighbor on beside of me on my right side was changing his oil in his car. Underneath his car, the car slid off the jack. You know, the car's laying on top of him. He's having a hard time breathing. You can tell he's in agony and pain. I run over there, dude, what's going on? Are you okay? He's like, no, there's a car on top of me. I said, well, listen, I got to get my little boy, my three-year-old, to basketball. It's a Saturday morning. He's got a game in like 10 minutes. He can't be late. Three- and four-year-old basketball is a big deal. I said, so listen, if this car is still on top of you when I get back, I'll help you out. Holly's making Corey Asbury and I some K-State quesadillas a couple weeks ago. We're in the heat of battle. We are saving the world from bad people as we play Call of Duty. <laughs> Holly, gets, Holly gets the steak, quesadillas, out of the oven. We're on the sofa because we've moved it right in front of the television. We're about two feet from the TV, you know, playing video games. And Holly gets the stuff out of the oven, but she forgets the clear spot. And she's got these little oven mitts on. She's like, John, help me. These things are starting to burn. I don't have any place to set this. I'm like, Holly, you will have to wait. (laughs) We are in the middle of this map, and we just about got the bad guys. Okay, on a little more serious note. By the way, I made all that stuff up. What do we do when we see the person standing on the street corner holding a cardboard corner? Or the friend that just got kicked out of his home for several different reasons? Or knowing that there's a compassion child that needs your sponsorship. I mean, you have the means, but yet you'd rather go to the movies once a month instead of feeding and clothing a child in need. What do we usually do when we see someone who is sick or in a wheelchair, just in an everyday life, walking, going, doing, in our, whatever we're doing that day, not in church, when we're outside the walls? What do we do? If we even notice them, our attitude is usually, wow, that sucks. (laughs) Sucks to be them. Instead of remembering, hey, I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm representing Christ. I've been created on purpose, with a purpose, and I carry with me the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I should do something to help. Maybe I should pray for healing. I mean, I, I, know, I know what I'll do. I'll just command them to get up and walk in the name of Jesus. But how many of us really think that way? You are young people of one of the greatest generations that's ever walked the face of the earth. And young people, we need a shift to take place in the way that we think and in the way that we live. A shift has got to happen. A shift's got to happen in our mindset. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21 says, I will equip you with all that you need for doing my will. I will equip you with all that you need. Does that mean he's just going to give you a little bit of what you need? Does that mean he's going to give you just a little bit of courage when you need a lot of courage? Does that mean he's only going to give you one sentence when you're speaking instead of a whole paragraph? Does that mean he's going to withhold any faith from you? 
Is he going to withhold any powerful Holy Spirit moments from you? Is he going to say, oh, Holy Spirit, I know we're all one, part of the Trinity. Hey, can we just not anoint him too much? I know he's trying to heal that person in the wheelchair and make him stand up and walk. Kind of hold back a little bit. I mean, is that what God's saying? No, he says, man, I'm going to equip you with all that you need for doing my will. Not only do we have to be available, we have to be obedient when God asks us to do something. All right, so we make ourselves available, but we also got to be obedient when we hear it. When we hear God's voice, when God impresses something on our heart, when that thought pops into our head and we're thinking, is that God or am I making this up or did I just think that? Let's justify this. That seems like a lot of work. That might be embarrassing. I might look like a fool. No, we have to be obedient. It's radical obedience. It's obedience right now. Immediately we're obedient. So God asks you to pray over someone for healing, but you think, oh man, this is going to be awkward. What are you going to do? God asks you to pick two of your friends to start witnessing to, but you don't know how it's going to work out. You're not quite sure. You're a little intimidated. What do you do? God asks you to call your entire school to salvation, but you don't feel like you're popular enough or you don't feel like you have enough influence, nor do you have any idea how you could present the gospel to every person in your school. I mean, that seems so radical. People don't do that. We don't do that here in America. That's not how it works. But God told you. What do you do? In a heated moment, God asks you to stand up for the computer geek who's getting picked on by some bullies. I only say computer geek because I'm jealous of all the computer geeks because I don't know computers that well. And I need them all the time to help me. So I'm going to stand up for them. Someone's picking on them, I'm going to roll some heads. I'm going to take them down. What do we do? Whatever God asks you to do, no matter how radical or hard, how far-fetched it may seem, because we are giving our lives away, because we've made ourselves available, we act in obedience, trusting that God is true to his promise and will equip you with all that you need to accomplish all that he has placed on your heart. You know John Wesley's motto was? Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Wow. We should live like that. So giving your life away means being available to God's calling. Number two. Giving your life away means being faithful with what you've been given. You've been, you're, you're being faithful with what you've been given. I mean, is everything God has given you and blessed you with just for you? Is it just for you? I mean, your own enjoyment, for your own satisfaction, your own honor to bring glory to yourself, maybe make yourself look good. Of course not. None of us would agree with that. We all say, no, no, that's not. Because we've given our lives away, we use the resources, the abilities, the passions, the spiritual gifts God has given us to help others, to advance the kingdom, to bring honor and glory to his name. That's why he's given you stuff. That's why he's given you passions. That's why he's given you abilities. That's why he's given you resources. That's why he's given you spiritual gifts. 
not for you, but so you can honor him and glorify with them, uh, glorify him with those and advance the kingdom. That's why he's given them to you. And he will give you more as you are obedient with those things he's given you. As you are faithful with the things that he's given you, he will give you more. I mean, maybe right now you're anointed to lead 10 people, but you do it faithfully. He's going to anoint you to lead 100. You do that faithfully, he's going to anoint you to lead 1,000. You do that faithfully, he'll anoint you to lead 10,000. You are faithful. God will increase that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now this isn't a request in Scripture. God's not requesting you, hey, how about you try this, or why don't you try this? Why don't you try to heal the sick? Maybe you should go out and try that. Why don't you try to raise the dead? You know, maybe if you feel up to it, maybe you can try to cleanse some of those lepers over there. I mean, nobody really wants to talk to them. Fingers are falling off. and It's kind of disgusting. Or here, man, maybe, man, if you're really radical, you can try to drive out some demons. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. Why don't you try some of those? No, this passage of Scripture, this verse, this is not a request. This is a command. And God wouldn't give you a command without giving you the necessary means and power to be successful and live that command out. He's commanded you, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who are sick and have diseases, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give it away. What did Jesus mean when he said freely you have received? I mean, Jesus meant, man, you've received the power of the Holy Spirit. You've received the things of the kingdom. Now, what are you going to do with them? You've received these things to accomplish for me, to fulfill the purpose that I've created you for. That means don't hoard it to yourselves. Don't hoard the kingdom of heaven just to you. Give it away. That's what God requires of us. That's what he wants. He wants us to give. He wants us to walk in such authority and such power that people are drawn to us because we're so radically different and we're giving that stuff away. There's something so different about the person in a public place that goes and prays for someone on crutches for healing. Gets down on his hands and knees, puts his hands around that ankle or that knee and just begins to pray. Don't you think God's going to honor that? Sure, not every person you might pray for healing for may get healed, but that's not your problem. The the fact is, and, and, and the real issue is, is that you're obedient with what God has given you. If God's given you the power of the kingdom, then he's given you the power to heal. It's up to God. You just be obedient and pray for the healing. Let God do the rest. And if he doesn't, you don't get discouraged. You just go pray for the next one. But I tell you what, you pray for ten people, one of them's going to get healed. If you don't pray for any, guess how many are going to get healed? None. I didn't know if I needed to do that math for you. Took me a while. Okay? Peter and John demonstrated this. They demonstrated this principle in Acts chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. It says this, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. This is a beggar on the street 
crippled, just sitting there. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. Look at me. You know, when, when you're begging and when you're on the street, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of, not a lot of pride. I mean, you, you sit there with your head down. Peter says, no, look at me. So the man gave him his attention. He expected something from them. What did he expect from them? He expected either probably silver or gold or food. That's what he was expecting. But he got way more. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. What has God given you? He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given you access to his kingdom. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You know, just the other day I was over at Brandon's, uh, playing some board games and his chair was falling apart and, and and God's I just have a gift to build stuff and fix stuff and Brandon knows that and Brandon's like John can you fix my chair I said no Brandon I'm not fixing your chair no I didn't do that you know what I believe I believe God's given me those gifts he's given me some of those gifts to be used to bring him glory so of course I'll fix your chair I haven't fixed it yet but I'm gonna fix it all right I'm gonna fix this chair all right Couple, a couple months after I moved here, David Perkins was talking about, oh man, I got to, Renata wants those showers caulked. I need to find someone to caulk. I said, David, we can caulk your showers. So we went over there, we dug all the old caulk out, and we put the new caulk in. And you might think it's simple, but you got to have some skill to put some caulk in and make it look nice. Or you're just going to make a big old mess. A mess on you and a mess every place else. So we did. Now, I, I could have said, oh, David, yeah, you should hire somebody to do that. No, I said, man, I, I know how to do that. Yes, I'm going to help. I've got those resources. I've got those means. I've got those talents. Of course, I'm going to help you. Okay? I want to read to you Matthew chapter 25. How many of you have heard the story of the talents before? Several of you. Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If you're on your phones, you can turn to it. Matthew 25. I'm going to start at verse 31. I'm going to read this kind of quick. Okay? Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is, pretty, this is a pretty harsh passage of Scripture. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Am I in the right spot? No, I'm not. I'm sorry, that's for later. 14, verse 14, Matthew 25, 14, we're sorry. Ooh, awkward. Okay, Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. I just wish someone would give me a bag of silver. You know, dividing it into proportion to their abilities, to their faithfulness, to their abilities, to what he's given them. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more bags of silver. I want that dude on my team. 
The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used this money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Stud! The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, don't you long to hear those words? I want to hear those words from God's, from God's mouth, straight from his mouth. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now, listen to this. This is, this is, this is cool. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. <laughs> the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid. Sissy. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. The next part, I just say, ouch, ouch. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank, idiot? Yeah, at least, at least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from that servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. How would you like to have an abundance? an abundance of power, an abundance of authority, an abundance of the kingdom, an abundance in your relationship with Christ, an abundance of intimacy. Even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with, even what little they have taken, oh, oh sorry. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is hell. The outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, this is serious stuff. God is serious about what he gives you, and he's serious about you using what he gives you faithfully and obediently. Number three. Giving your life away means serving the people around you. Serving the people around you. Oh, that's the next part I want to do. Oh, no, I got it right here. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 25, starting with 31 there. Giving your life away means serving the people around you. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Picture that in your mind for a minute. Everybody from past, present, future, all the nations will be, will be there before his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, 
He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, those righteous ones, the righteous people will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, don't be a goat. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, why are you being so harsh? I mean, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and, 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 and did not help you? When? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You see, when you serve people around you, Jesus says, it's as if you were serving me. How can we overlook the needs of the people around us, whether physical, whether personal, whether material, or whether spiritual? How do we overlook that? I mean, we must become a generation that begins to care about the eternity of our friends and peers. We walk by hundreds of people every day that need Jesus, and we do nothing about it. We have no plan. We've put in no preparation. We have no vision. And we wonder why God isn't sending revival. Well, maybe he sent revival when he sent you. Maybe you are the carriers of revival. But we have failed to give it away. We have failed to unleash it. We've got to start living this life. Being so intentional as intentional as God was when he created you. God intentionally created you for a purpose and with a purpose. We need to intentionally live for a purpose and with purpose. It's who God has created us to be. This month, Gary and Rhonda Poole, who have been longtime members of New Life, they've been working with the homeless for like 10 years. Like every week for 10 years, they've been working with the homeless. And every Christmas, they throw this big party, a Christmas party, for the homeless people of the city. And I got to talk on this just briefly last week, but I want to share just a little bit tonight. So they throw this big Christmas party, and they're in need of some stuff. 
Because obviously if you're homeless, you don't have much. You don't have access to much. And the homeless are in need of, of several things. And if you'll hold up the little blue card that was on your chair. Thanks, bud. There's several things that I listed here that they said they are in desperate need of. So what we're going to do is we were going to have the thing tonight, but I know I didn't get the vision cast it last week. So we're going to not only receive tonight, but we're going to receive next week too and give everybody a chance to serve, to give with what God has given you and by the means that God has given you, whether it's a little or a lot. So here's some things that you can bring for homeless people. These are what, this is what homeless people need. Flashlights. You know, like those little mini mag. Don't get the big honking mag light as you beat your dog on the head or whatever. You know, you don't beat dogs on the head. Maybe cats, but not dogs. <laughs> All right? You bring sleeping bags. You know, sleeping. Homeless people need something warm to sleep in. Sleeping bags. Winter gloves. Winter is approaching. It's supposed to snow Sunday. Four feet. Four feet. That's my prayer. That's just my prayer. Winter hat and scarf sets. Winter hat and scarf sets. You can imagine why they would need winter hats and scarves. $5 gift cards from McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, places like that. Here's why they need that. They can't go in and warm up if they don't buy anything. We don't have any money to buy anything. So we give them a $5, and they hand, uh, Gary and Rhonda will hand these $5 gift cards out so that they can go in and get a cup of coffee and warm up. Large print Bibles. You know, homeless people, they don't have a lot of access to medical care and different things. Many of them have a really hard time seeing. And most of them, if we give them, the, you know, the little Bibles with the small print Bibles, they can't read them. They need the large print Bibles. Great gift. Great thing to give to a homeless person. In fact, I was in working on my message today, and I had my screen blown up, and my big words, David walks in, he's like, that is the biggest computer screen I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't see that well anymore. You know? <laughs> he was making fun of me. It's okay. All right, cheap MP3 player. Now you may say, why does a homeless person need an MP3 player? Well, do you like music? Does music calm you, soothe the soul, give you hope? Of course it does. They can go to the libraries and they can download music for free. All right, so this is kind of a way that, that helps them. I mean, let them have one joy in life. Let them, let them. <laughs> David's laughing at me. I mean, let them, let them have everything that we can possibly give them, okay? Costume jewelry. Believe it or not, there are single moms and children that are homeless. Brighten their day. Body springs. Different things like this bring joy and bring life to those who are less Let's forget about, well, I won't say forget about this story. Let's put our life vision, our career in the future, let's just kind of set that over here for just a minute. Don't keep it out of your sight, but don't make it the central focus of your sight. Make every day living for Jesus, being like Jesus, being his hands and feet, make that the central focus. Man, how good of a Christian can I be? How can I honor God today? How can I be the best Christ follower possible today? How can I serve the world around me? 
Those are the things that we should have in our hearts and minds. Those are the things. I promise you, the future will take care of itself. What scripture say? Don't worry about today. I mean, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't overlook the opportunities and those moments that are right in front of you every day. Because when we overlook those things, it's going to be a long time before God gives us more. But if we begin to capture those moments, if we begin to seize those moments, if we begin to just begin to move and act and breathe like Jesus and, and, and we're, we're becoming in his hands and feet and we're serving the world around us, I promise you, you are like that guy that was given five bags of silver and you're going to be given more because you're being faithful with what God has given you. God gives each and every one of you opportunities every day to be a light to this world, to be a city on a hilltop, to be salt to the earth. Every day we can reflect Christ to somebody. We don't think that way as a generation. But we need to. We have to have a shift. We have to change our mindset. We have to begin to think like Jesus, breathe like. How did Jesus lead his disciples? Well, it, it's like, hey, come follow me. Come live life with me. Come watch what I do and do what I do. It's the same call to you. Come follow me. What I do, then do what I do. That's what we need. So next week, here's what I want. I want all of you to pray about what you should bring. Some of you have brought that tonight, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to bring that forward in just a minute. But <clears throat> we're going to collect next week too. I want to. I want to fill. I want to fill these eight boxes. These are pretty big boxes. I mean, they're pretty big. I could fit some of these girls in here. I mean, probably two or three of them. Listen, I want these boxes to be overflowing. That's bless the homeless of our city. That's take it upon our own response. That's, that's make it our own responsibility. Say, this is my responsibility. I'm not going to leave it up to someone else. I'm not going to let someone else get the blessing. I'm not going to let someone else get five extra bags of silver. I want more. Not because I'm selfish, but because I want to be a light to this world. I want to bring God so much honor and so much glory, and I want to praise him, and I want to love him, and I want everyone in this planet to know that I love Jesus. So let's fill these up next week. You've got the pieces of paper. How many of you will commit to praying about this and just seeing what you can do, what you can buy? And here's some, here's some, here's some, uh, whatever. What if, what if two or three of you guys got together and say, you know what, we're going to go buy a nice sleeping bag. Maybe two or three of you get together, two or three friends, four friends. You pitch in, you know, 10 bucks each and you go buy a real nice, warm sleeping bag. Great, that's awesome. Do stuff together. It's fun now. It's always fun doing stuff together. Get a couple of friends. Say, Mom, take us out. Are you guys going shopping? Yeah, we're taking our allowance. We're opening our piggy banks. We're going out and we're going to buy stuff for the homeless. What? You know, <laughs> your mom and dad are going to think you're going crazy. You're going to think you're insane. Like, what happened to my kid? He's been abducted by aliens. I didn't even know aliens existed, but he was abducted by one. You know, whatever the case is, get some people together. Let's fill these boxes up. Let's commit to that. Amen? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so tonight, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be dismissed. 
But listen, I have the campus flags up. I know last week, because we did a really cool video, and that was an awesome video, by the way, wasn't it? Oh, so excited for desperation this year. I'm pumped. Did you see me on the video? Did you see my face on there? <laughs> Gave me goosebumps. I'm excited. Here, let me be honest with you. <laughs> First year I came to desperation was 2005. I said, oh God, one day I will just go to desperation. You laugh, but I prayed. <laughs> I said, God, one day, just let me. I want to I wanna influence this generation, God. Give me a platform. I want a platform. I want to speak. See my face up on that photo of I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not excited for my own glory. I'm excited because I have a platform to talk to a nation. I have a platform to share the heart that God has given me to young people all over the country. That's what excites me. That's what gets my blood boiling. Okay, so tonight when we dismiss, we're dismissing early. It's only 8.42. Usually I preach till 8.50, and David preaches till 9 o'clock. So we're good. We're getting out early. <laughs> campus pastors are going to be there. If you want to connect with them, connect with them. If you want to join a campus group, we have the flyers right out at the information booth. You can fill one out out there. We'll get you connected. We'll get you plugged in. We want you plugged in. Campus groups are very, very important. Okay, so what are you doing next week? You're bringing what? How many of you brought stuff tonight? Come forward right now. Let's put it in the boxes. Give these guys a hand. Come forward right now. Amen. Look at that stuff. David, you want to go to Starbucks later? No, I'm just kidding. Bring it all up. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. This is a great start. I love this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo-hoo. This is great. I love it. Let's commit to this. Let's pack these boxes full for next week. Check out campus crew groups and campus pastors. Everybody raise your hands with me. Stand up. Stand up first, then you raise your hands. Perfect. God, I love you tonight. God, help us to make this shift in our mindset. Help us to live like Jesus every day. Help us not to focus on the struggles. Help us not to focus on the temptations. Help us not to focus on the things that are going around us, the things that are happening around us, the things that are tearing. God, help us to be focused on you. God, our joy will be complete when we learn to live our lives focused on you. Nothing the enemy throws at us. No curveball the world throws at us will affect us or steer us away from the path when we are focused on you. And not only, (laughs) when it seems like the world's crashing down around us, God, when we're focused on you in those moments, the world can crash and we'll still be on top of the mountain. We'll still be pressing into your presence. We'll still be following. We still won't have a care in the world because God, we've given you our lives and we've given our life away and we've laid it at your feet and you have it in the palm of your hands. God, give us the faith to live like that. May we impact our world. 
May we set the bar high for our generation. May we live as you have called us to live with great purpose. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. In your holy and precious name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week for the big Christmas party. Invite 24 of your favorite people to the Christmas party next week. I know I said three. I just increased it. 24. 24. That's what I want. <laughs>